Moncrief on News Talk. Now, according to the author Tom A. Christie, there were two golden ages, and unfortunately, we aren't living in either of them. What Tom is referring to are Christmas movies. Don't be rushing to Netflix to find a new Christmas classic, though fortunately, many of the streamers carry the old ones. Tom is the author of The Golden Age of Christmas Movies and A Totally Bodacious 90s Christmas, which gives you a a clue as to what maybe the second golden age is. Tom, good afternoon to you. Hello, Sean. Thank you so much for inviting me. And thanks very much for uh, talking to us today. Now, you say you think that the history of Christmas cinema reflects the history of cinema itself. What what do you mean by that? Yeah, that's absolutely true. Christmas movies are as old as cinema, um, going all the way back to, I guess, about 1897, 1898, um, when you have people like William Kennedy Dixon uh, making mutoscope movies. Um, now that moves into silent movies and then you move into the early talkies um, and then by the time you get to around the Second World War um, you, you finally have the, the whole sort of Christmas genre taking shape um, and you start to discover all of these themes that we've come to associate with the Christmas movie um, really being set in stone uh, between the sort of mid-40s and the early 50s. Yeah, because would it be fair to say even outside the Golden Age more, uh, more or less all Christmas films have a sort of a th- the same theme to them, even if ostensibly there might appear to be nothing to do with Christmas or a very darker take on Christmas. Yes, that's absolutely true. Um, I think that what happens is round about sort of the mid-40s, really from films like Christmas in Connecticut, um, It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street, and then some lesser well-known Christmas films like It Happened on Fifth Avenue and Holiday Affair, you start to see these themes that we've come to really associate with Christmas movies um, really being bed in. Uh, so you have, uh, for instance, the theme of altruism and you know making sure that Christmas is a time for giving. You have the celebration of the family and of the community. Um, and you also have this kind of note of caution about over-commercialisation of Christmas. And all of these are laid down um, in that period. And the interesting thing is that, although that was decades ago, these same themes have been re-examined and, uh, you know, brought back into focus over and over again. Mm. Now, and, and uh, that is uh, uh, very interesting. Uh, and say that uh, you say the first golden age is the uh, mid-1940s, the mid-1950s. You've mentioned two classic, <clears throat> excuse me, examples of that. Miracle on 34th Street, is it true that was actually released during the summer? Yes, that's right. Apparently, um, the, at the time, the studios had no confidence that a film about Christmas uh, would do too well. Uh, and the accountants got a little bit anxious because they thought, well, if the film's you know, solely about Christmas themes, there's a good chance that it's only going to do well at Christmas time. So the, the whole publicity campaign for that film uh, really went to great lengths to hide the fact it was about a department store Santa Claus and there was a a Christmas theme to it. Um, and as a result, it was kind of brought out quietly in the summer, but it became a, a smash hit. So mm. basically it was still running in the cinemas uh, by the time you got to Christmas. That's so interesting. And and it's a wonderful life, even though it's set at Christmas and it has all the themes you alluded to. Mm-hmm. Uh, it often strikes me, and it is one of my favourite Christmas movies, it's quite a subversive film. Yes, absolutely. I mean, when you think about it, that film's quite horrific. If you leave the last 10 minutes out, it's the last 10 minutes that redeems it, you know? (laughs) That is true, yeah, because it does, it starts with the guy trying to kill himself. You know, it's not a very Christmassy theme at all. No, no, it's very dark stuff. And it's an interesting thing because at at the time, I mean, there was always this kind of urban myth that it wasn't a success. In reality, it did really quite well, but what it wasn't was the huge kind of smash hit film 
that Frank Capra had been well known for at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of marked a move away from earlier films he'd made, like Mr. Deeds uh, Goes to Washington, that kind of thing. Um, so, consequently, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, sorry. Um, so, consequently, um, it, it disappeared from public view for quite some time. And it wasn't really until the 70s where it started being shown on cable TV um, after it had lapsed into the public domain at that point um, that people started to watch it again and it started to come sort of back into the the, the sort of the national consciousness again. That's uh, that's so interesting. So uh, what happened then, as far as you can tell, Tom, you know, when that first golden age, because you would have thought that would have established uh, Christmas movies as a thing and every filmmaker would be trying desperately to make the next classic fi- uh, Christmas movie. Why, why didn't that happen in, in, the, in, in, say, the 60s and 70s? Well, the interesting thing is when you get into the 50s, you have films like um, Scrooge with Alistair Sim, which is kind of the definitive portrayal of Scrooge. Um, and then almost immediately after it, you have um, White Christmas, which, of course, was in this division, you know, very vibrant colour. Uh, and there was this sense of kind of blowing away the, the um, wartime austerity and really sort of embracing these uh, Christmas themes in a, in a really very bold way. Um, after that, of course, it's rather difficult to follow up on something like White Christmas. Um, so there is a kind of decline. There are a few films that have a Christmas theme after it. Um, Weird No Angels with Humphrey Bogart. Um, and then, of course, Jimmy Stewart and Bell Book and Candle, which is a, a kind of a Christmas theme. Um, but when you get into the 60s and 70s, all of the commercial focus, if you like, is going into selling colour TV. So you get all mm-hmm. these sort of Rankin-Bass cartoons, you get the early um, adaptations of things like, you know, The, the Grinch and, um, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas, all those things are all happening on TV. But in cinema, um, there's a focus very much away from the traditional Christmas movie. And although there aren't that many films produced in that era, they all tend to be quite experimental. Um, you know, you get films like Black Christmas, for instance, which is really a, a sort of suspense horror movie, um, but very, very well crafted. Um, mm. And then you have other um, kind of films like The Apartment, you know, with Billy Wilder. Um, and uh, and later than that, films like The Lion in Winter, which is a, a very unconventional Christmas film, of course, uh, a Christmas court. So um, it's not until you get back to the 80s again that Christmas is kind of reclaimed as a big box office draw. Yeah. Um, and there's some debate as to where, where that happens. It's either films like A Christmas Story in Trading Places in 83 or potentially Santa Claus the movie in 1985. Yeah. Um, but that really is kind of like the starting pistol of the second golden age, and that runs up to the end of the 90s. Yeah, and is, is in that second golden age, is there a sense of nostalgia? I think there is. I mean, it's an interesting thing about Christmas movies generally, because I think they always have enormous nostalgia for the, the people who grew up with particular films. And you can usually tell if someone's favourite film is White Christmas, or whether it's um, you know Santa Claus the movie, or whether it's Elf, um, as to kind of what age they, they they are or when they grew up with them. So there is an aspect of that I think that you know that nostalgia does drive people's interest, and certainly in the eighties um, there was this kind of backward looking aspect as well. You know where people were looking back to um, an earlier sort of happier, more innocent time. But the other interesting thing about it is um, in the eighties it's quite an aggressive response, if you like, to the kind of greed is good culture of the time, yeah. um, where there's a sense of, you know, perhaps the, the altruism of, of Christmas uh, is under threat. So you get films like Trading Places and Scrooge and those kind of films pushing back against that. Yeah, but also the perennial debate, and I'm sure mm-hmm. you have a view on this, uh, because <laughs> Die Hard emerged from this period as well, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? 
Well, now that is a big question, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think anything inspires more more heated debate than that one. Um, I, I would say, you know, given the amount of, of Christmas motifs in that Michael Kamen soundtrack, um, and given the fact that Alan Rickman is playing Franz Gruber, which is very, very close to you know Hans Gruber of uh, of um, Silent Night fame, um, I think there's certainly enough Christmas illusions in there to, to make it a Christmas film, but uh, I know there are many people who hold, <laughs> hold a very strong view to the contrary. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, and w- well, does it... Could you argue that it has, you know, those kind of values that were established in Christmas movies in the first golden age and we saw transferred onto the second? Hmm. Is- yeah. I mean, it's interesting because um, if you look at the 90s particularly, um, there is this very much a theme of family and there's an exploration of kind of how society is changing and how the family unit is changing. Um, so you start with Home Alone um, around about 1990 um, which was an enormous success. I mean, made a, a vast amount of money. Um, and uh, that's very much a reaffirmation of the nuclear family. But then you move on to the, the remake, the John Hughes remake of um, Miracle on 34th Street. You look at films like um, Jingle All the Way um, or The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. And th- these films look at it slightly differently. I mean, they're not just celebrating nuclear family. They're looking at, you know, kids who've lived through um, the parents separating, mm. um, they're looking at how the family unit's changing and adapting. Um, and, and it kind of shows that Christmas is for every family unit. You know, it, basically we can choose our own family. Um, and it kind of affirms that in quite a healthy way that accepts that society is not the same as it was in the 40s. Yeah, that's true. And I suppose you could say that uh, in Home or in uh, Die Hard, John McClane is there because he wants to reclaim his family and he's trying to get back to his family. He's murdering thousands of people along the way while he's doing it, but uh, it's, it's, it's still, uh, I, sp- I suppose, essentially uh, that idea, uh, uh, mm-hmm. really. Home Alone, though, was, uh, like, I, I read it uh, a few years ago that a group of uh, economic students did a study of Home Alone on the fact that the family were going to Paris uh, mm-hmm. They did an assessment of how much the house could be worth, how many kids uh, uh, were, uh, you know, how many dependents were in the family. And mm. th- th- I think the mother didn't work uh, and it wasn't clear what the father did for a living. And, th- and and they narrowed it down to what the father could possibly do for a living to be able to afford all this. Uh, and they concluded that he was actually a drug dealer. Uh, a <laughs> very respectable one, obviously, but uh, uh, the... the the amount of wealth was uh, quite extraordinary, really, if if you think about that. So then, yeah. what happened after the second golden age? You you would have thought those kind of films would keep on coming. Yeah, I mean, what really happened around about two thousand onwards um, is that there's really a kind of change in tack for Christmas films because there's no one kind of unifying theme. Um, what you tend to find is it kind of it matches um, the the emergence of sort of Hallmark TV movies and like the huge phenomenon that surrounded that. Um, but you have films like Elf, for instance. Um, that is slightly subversive. It's taking sort of the, the basic plot beats of Santa Claus the movie and turning it into something that's quite knowing. Mm. Um, so the kind of postmodern edge to that. Um, and then you have films like Joyous Noel, um, you know, which kind of kicked off uh, a different uh, sort of subgenre, if you like, of this kind of multi-character ensemble Christmas movie. Um, so that all these things are all going on. There's lots of kind of subgenres starting to emerge. Um, and really, if anything, it's like the, the market becomes so saturated because there is obviously so much interest in, in Christmas as its own genre of film, um, that it's quite difficult to see any sort of 
knockout classics the way that you would have seen in the 40s and, and the 80s. Yeah, the, the the fact that now we live in the era of streaming and 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 I don't know if it's a, yeah probably is a majority of films that are produced aren't intended to end up in a cinema. Is that going to affect uh, the calculus of all this? I think it does to an extent, because obviously there are budgetary considerations and there's also the fact that there are so many of these films being produced now. Um, it's quite difficult to, to see all of them or to you know to get an idea of what ones are worth seeing and what ones aren't. Um, but uh, that being said, I mean, you have films like The, the Christmas Chronicles um, with uh, Kurt Russell that came on Netflix recently. Mm. Um, excellent film and, uh, you know, very much the... The, the match of any film that's been in the, on the big screen. Uh, so, you know, there's all these diamonds in the rough to be found out there and so much really inventive filmmaking as well. Yeah, though at the same time, kind of, I, I, I've read this, uh, you know, the, the, and, you know, the, a, few, a, a few have appeared on, on the streamers this year as well that, that the producers of those films aren't even aiming that high. Uh, you know, they wanted to be okay and... and you know, a guilty pleasure, as they like to say, or something you'll watch when you've got a hangover and your critical facilities aren't too high. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly an aspect of that with the, the, the many, many TV movies that are out there. Um, because, I mean, I've, I've seen um, some companies apparently are able to shoot films in something like seven to ten days, um, yeah. you know, because they've got it off to such a fine art. Um, but, I mean, there is such a, a enthusiastic market for these movies. Um, and I was astonished to discover, you know, there are people who watch them all the year round. You know, there are these sort of year-round Christmas communities and social yes. media. And people are, are you know, and, and it says a lot, actually, for the nostalgia that people have for Christmas, that they are able to watch and enjoy these films, you know, in the, in the height of summer. Mm. Now, film. Now, one of our listeners wants to know, a few people have texted in about this, uh, the, the kind of, and I suppose it's a subgenre, Bad Santa and Nightmare Before Christmas, those kind of films. Mm-hmm. I suppose they are Christmassy, if quite dark. Yeah, I mean, that's always an interesting thing, because in essence, what happens is they, they kind of turn the traditional Christmas themes on their head, but end up reaffirming them by the end of the film. So, you know, there is a sense of kind of interrogating what it is about particular Christmas themes and conventions um, that people find appealing um, and seeing if that will win out against the, you know, the subversive message, if you like, mm. um, which you see in films like Scrooge, for instance, you know, which is obviously an updating of, uh, of A Christmas Carol. Um, and it gets very dark. And by all accounts, the original ending was even darker. Um, but it redeems itself. You know, by the time you get to the end of the film, everybody's reconciled and, you know, the, the, the sort of original Dickensian message comes through. Yeah. Somebody's just texting in to say, ask him why Elf is so bad. I don't think Elf <laughs> is bad at all. It's a film that polarises people, actually. People oh. either love it or hate it. Um, I think much of it depends on how much you like um, Will Ferrell. Yeah. You know, if you like Will Ferrell's humour and his, his kind of performance style, because um, that's what carries it, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah actually, you're, you're right about that. So since the second golden age, Tom, would you count on the fingers of one hand or both hands or many hands the the amount of what you might classify as a classic Christmas film? Um, I think there are so many now. It's so difficult for, for a real classic to sort of stick its head above the parapet and be and be noticed. Um, I mean, there have been films that have, that have really sparked imagination. There's films like The Polar Express, which is another film mm. that critically divides people. Um, there was the, the Robert Zemeckis 3D version of um, A Christmas Carol. I mean, it was a, an amazing performance by Jim Carrey. Um, there's uh, films that, like, for instance, the, um, the, the perennially divisive Love Actually, 
um, and the, uh, you know, the debate over whether it's going to be a sequel, those kind of things. Yeah, yeah. The you holiday is, is a particular pet hate of mine. I loathe that mm. film. It's just terrible, absolutely terrible. But I suppose that's what the whole point of uh, uh, Christmas movies are for, for for us to give us something to argue about on top of the many other things we have to argue about uh, at Christmas time. Uh, Tom, thanks a million for talking to us today and uh, happy Christmas to you. Uh, that was, you too. Uh, that was Tom A. Christie there. Uh, he's the author of The Golden Age of Christmas Movies and another book called A Totally Bodacious 90s Christmas. So obviously he knows his stuff. Uh, one texter says he's not wrong. Some of the stuff on Netflix is pure rubbish. It's like they were shot over a weekend on an iPhone with redundant actors. Uh, Someone else says the new uh, Eddie Murphy Christmas movie is so bad it's scary. It should be a Halloween movie. Um, Yeah. I think we we did review that last week or the week before, and it was, yeah. Uh, just in case anyone is wondering, uh, says the texter, uh, the best Christmas film has got to be Die Hard, and it takes place on Christmas Eve, and his wife is called Holly. That's true. They did, you know, they did kind of own the fact that they were, they were trying to make it a Christmas movie, uh, all right, but... People will be divided as to why it's it, as to whether it's actually Christmassy or not. Uh, another text says Christmas with the Cranks was only released a few years back, and it's so good, very funny. Tim Allen and Jamie Lee Curtis must say I, I missed that one. Moncrief weekdays at two p.m. on News Talk.